up, everyone? Welcome to the Copy Blogger Podcast. My name is Tim Stoddart. As always, I'm here with Ethan Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me. And we'll just jump right into it. Uh, my baby's here, so... <laughs> and he's not talking about me. He's not talking <laughs> yeah. about me. No, yeah, we were... Every single week here, we talk before the show, and I just asked him, I'm like, dude, has the baby come yet? And he goes, yeah. I'm like, what the hell? You didn't there say anything? So we're going to... This is the first look. I haven't seen her yet. Well, hold on. I'm going to show you. Yeah. And, and for the people who are on YouTube, I'm sticking my phone up to the camera. So, you know, having a baby is a very personal experience. So I got to be careful with some of these pictures, right? So this is really cool. This is something that I'm like really excited about. When Julian, when my son was born, we basically accidentally took a picture that turned out to be really funny. He's just a big squish bob. And when you have babies, they it's called like skin to skin. Like the touch, I think, is is very important. They they like it to be on your skin. So I'm always like without a shirt on. And everyone's like, why the hell aren't you wearing a shirt? And so this is why. For the people watching on YouTube, there's a reason why I don't have a shirt on. So this is when Julian was born. <laughs> this is literally he's he's a day old. He's just a giant tub. He's like a hamburger, right? <laughs> but it's so cool because Willow, that's her name. I had a daughter. We got the same exact picture, basically in the same exact Aww. room. Oh my god! I know, isn't that badass? Congratulations, man! Thank you. It was um, it was a wild experience. Nothing went right. I wouldn't say there were complications. It was just a couple scares. Uh, my wife had like a fever. Baby's heart rate was like two hundred beats per minute, and everyone was saying like, "Let's get the, let's at least talk to the C-section team." And I mean, you know, obviously you got to do what you got to do, right? Mm-hmm. But there's just reasons why like a natural birth is better, you know? And so we were like really just sticking to it. Like, no, let's stay calm. Let's stay calm. And and we finally figured out uh, my wife has rhino or had rhinovirus. It's basically a cold, mm-hmm. but it's just like a really contagious, severe cold. And so once we figured that out, she got Tylenol and her fever came down and then it was just smooth sailing from there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just like Julian, she's three weeks early. And, wow. and it's, it's great. Like, it's really great. I'm really happy. I'm very grateful. All is well. Everybody's happy and healthy. And I'm excited, man. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Yeah. I was wondering because last week we talked about it. I'm not sure if we talked about it on air or not, but you said, you know, there was like a close call last week, thought, thought maybe yeah. she was coming then. And then today, right before we recorded, and I'm keeping my voice down for people listening because I'm in a hotel, but. Right before we recorded, I, I texted Tim. I'm like, oh, I just landed to my hotel, set my stuff up now. He goes, hey, maybe a few minutes late, just finishing up a walk with my dad. And I'm thinking to myself, is Tim in Philly? And we came on. He's not. He's in his normal studio, which means <laughs> I'm like, up, oh, dad's in town. So I was like, did the baby come? And he goes, yeah. Yep. So congratulations, man, to both of you, you and Jules and to Julian, his big brother now. That's cool. Yeah, so. it's, it's strange because he he can really recognize that there's a new thing, you know, like he really? can't talk yet, but he's, he's very much more, uh, there's a word for it. It's, it's, it's kind of escaping my mind right now, but he's, he's very much like aligned with the fact that there's a new being in our home and like in our, like our sphere, you know, like our little energy orb. Um, and so that's been cool to see. He keeps going up to her and, uh, we, we, we keep her in this like Moses basket basically. And so he keeps like going up on the table and like tippy toeing and looking into it. Well, we got some cool pictures, man. It's, it's adorable. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Life is good. I feel great. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah. So what are we talking about this week? We got a couple <laughs> of things to go through. Well, look, I knew you were busy this week. You are at what's it called? Inbound, the inbound yeah. conference for HubSpot, huge event. Might be one of the top three biggest, maybe even the biggest one marketing conferences in the world, I think is probably safe to say. So I know that you put a lot of work into that. I'm sure your presentation went well. I can't wait to hear about it. We'll, we'll talk about it when we're done recording just because we've got a lot of shit to go through today. And so I just took the reins and I've mentioned my friend a few times from eight and nine clothing and his story is actually really, really cool. And it's full of ups and downs. I've personally been involved with the growth of his brand a lot. And one, it's, it's, I don't even want to call it a mistake. And when I explain it, you'll see why. But one of like the harshest lessons and 
potential failures I've ever had in my life was a decision that I made for his brand, an SEO decision. And I knew at the time it was the right long-term decision. However, it had very, very like immediate consequences to his company. Wow. Like he's a great friend of mine, you know, and, and it was hard, man. Like it really, really hurt. But knowing if I knew then what I know now, I would have approached it a little bit differently. I know that like it was the right thing to do. And like, I got some cool data to show it, but, um, but it's a great story. So, so it sounds, this sounds like it's going to be awesome. Just for people who, uh, are either new to the show or maybe just tuning in for the first time in a little while. Eight and nine, actually, even for me too. Eight. This is the brand that you said you really like a lot. You've been trying to buy into his company for years, yes, right? Exactly you mentioned this right. a couple and of weeks ago. He will not let me. And it's like a street streetwear, right? Yep. That's the term. That's the cool kid term for it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna share my screen. Here we go. This is eight and nine clothing. It's streetwear for sure. And what is so fascinating about fashion is that it's always moving. And so 89 has been around for 20 years. And I really, really mean that. It's, it's in Mount Miami, which is how I got involved with it. Like their impact in Miami has been really strong, but also New York City, LA. I mean, all over the country. It's, it's so cool to be in airports and see 89 clothing and run up to people and be like, yo, 89. And they got like a really cool community that they've built through some of their, their social media and just some of their, what do you call it? Culture. So it's been great. Can I, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. So the founder is a friend, right? Now, yeah, did here. you know him before he started it or did you meet him because you became, we were a fan of the brand? A little bit of both. I met him through an old agency that I actually did some freelance work for. This guy asked me to come on a sales call just because he was, he was like this sales hustler who didn't really know anything about internet marketing, but he wanted to start an agency. And so he would always take me with him on sales calls when I was like just starting out to actually like say some shit that made sense. Right. And so I met him through that call, but it turned out that me and him just ended up working together because we just vibe. So this is him. Um, this is his Instagram. His name's Ray Gilbo. And he's, he's super cool. He was at my wedding. I'd really consider him one of my best friends. And I, I love the fact that like he's in, you know, he's the, this company was the number two bestseller all time on a website called, um, Karma Loop, which was just a huge streetwear reselling brand. They were seconds of the hundreds only. Like Bobby Hundreds was a huge influence on him. He's got pictures of like, you know, 50 Cent and P. Diddy and, and just the who's who of, of hip hop wearing his shit. So he's, he's really been around, but I love how. He just stays behind the scenes, you know, like he's not out there on Instagram. He's not showing his like watches or whatever. He just loves to make clothes and, and do his work. And so Ray Gilbo is his Instagram. Uh, if, if you're on the YouTube, you can see it right now and we'll link it up at the show notes. So this is eight and nine. It's going to be difficult to, I'm going to have to explain the journey a little bit more than I can show the journey because some of the changes we made like don't exist anymore. But here's. Here's the evolution of the brand. You know what we should do? Let me go on the Wayback Machine and we can see what the website was like in, uh, oh my God, eight years ago. I can't fucking believe. Am I turning into one of those guys? It's like, where's the time go? Time flies. Yeah. You know, so let's see. Let's check it out in 2014. I'm going to see what the website looks like. And this is getting somewhere because they're marketing. And the reason why the whole thing blew up so much was because they had a very, very specific. Okay. So this is the perfect example. I'm on an old version of the website. This is where am I? 2014, I think. And what they would do is create all of these blog posts that SEO'd for keywords for outfits that people would match to sneakers. And so this is the evolution of like streetwear fashion because this game doesn't really exist as much anymore. So this is an article. If I click on this, it's not going to go anywhere because what they did is they put their blog on WordPress and then they put their e-commerce functionality on Shopify. So mm-hmm. they had like two different websites kind of. Mm-hmm. And so every time they would post these blogs, they'd be like, man, you're not you're missing out because these articles would rank immediately. So right here, I'm looking at an article. It's titled 
Jordan Infrared 10 shirt. So Jordan Infrared 10 is a sneaker. And as soon as these sneakers would get released, they would create shirts that match the sneaker. So streetwear at the time was very much about like these sneaker heads and people would buy these t-shirts and build whole outfits around these sneakers, right? And so like Jordans and and foam posits and all these like super gaudy basketball sneakers, they'd make a ton of money with these articles because they would time when the sneaker was going to be released and they would write like three articles that put together different outfits for shirts that they came up with. Hmm. And as soon as the sneaker was released, it'd be like, bam, Jordan infrared t-shirt. And so, like I said, I can't click on this because blog.89.com was the WordPress site where the articles used to be and it doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. But if I were to click on this article, it would be just a whole list of t-shirts and outfits that match the Jordan infrared pen shirt. So same thing right here, Jordan 6 infrared 23 shirt. And like every time these new sneaker releases would come out, it would just be like to change, to change, to change, to change because everybody was trying to, to buy these shirts these sneaker match shirts. It was like what you called it, sneaker match. It was the the style of streetwear, I guess. That's and, pretty uh, slick. Yeah, yeah slick, I, man. They would crush it. Okay, so what was the change? Or that's that sounds like the tee up for the change that you had yeah. in mind. And it sounds like maybe you combined the two sites. That's exactly what I did, man. Because Shopify. So at the time, I've had my own little t-shirt company for a long time. It's called New Life Clothing. I basically stole all of. Uh, Eight and I's ideas because of how cool I thought it was. Ray told me everything. You know, like he told me how to get blanks. He told me how to do screen printing. He taught me everything I know. And so I bought a pretty sweet little, I shouldn't say I bought, I created a pretty sweet little t-shirt line. I was making like 600 bucks a day at the time. It was fucking awesome. It was so much fun, you know, like taking pictures and like, you know, creating a little brand. But one of the things that I did is Shopify has a functionality that makes it so in the article itself, you can embed a product. So it's more of like an inline experience as you're reading the article and then the product itself shows. And then you click a button and it brings you right to the product. And so that's what I was doing. And I was only ranking New Life Clothing, by the way, for the people not watching the video. It's it's like a sobriety-based line. So... It's a lifestyle brand that has shirts with like cool sayings, kind of about like being sober and living like a clean lifestyle. And so I would rank for like five or six different keywords, like sober t-shirts, sober clothing, a couple of different stuff. And that's all I did. I would write these blog posts and I would embed the product into the article. And so I thought to myself, right, like, I got this, man. I know how to do it. Like, I know how to level this up. Here's really, really where I screwed up. So I'm on New Life right now. By the way, I, I haven't written in this, like, I'm embarrassed at this content. Don't judge me. You know, this site, this brand is kind of like on, it's like automatic right now. And there's a dude that I hired that he just created terrible content. So don't judge me. But you can see here that I'm on newlifeclothing.com and their domain structure is just awful. So Shopify uses a, a, a code, a language that they created. It's called Liquid. And what it does, it makes it so that these categories of different products can all like interact with each other. Like a category isn't static. All the categories can kind of bend in and out of each other because when you're creating e-commerce lines, you run into weird things. Like if a product actually belongs to two different categories, you know, instead of like adding that product individually to each category, you can just, it's why it's called liquid because if you can read the code, it kind of flows like, like water, you know? But the domain structure is terrible. So newlifeclothing.com slash blogs slash articles slash the title of the article. And real, on the original... Real quick. Nine, I'm sorry, just to pause you for a second. But for somebody who doesn't have as much background in SEO, can you explain why domain structure matters and why that's a, like, why that's a bad one? Very simply, it's bad for two reasons. <clears throat> one, because... You call this a slug. So every time you see a slash in a URL, it's like another layer. So think of it like you're walking into a room, right? And what you need is three rooms deep Mm -hmm. as opposed to just walking in the front door and exactly what you want is right there. Mm -hmm. So this first slug, newlifeclothing.com slash blogs, like this is the first door that Google walks through. 
you know, and it's, it's not, it's not quite this straightforward. You know, there's examples of URL structures not mattering quite that much, but best practice, you want like, you want the keyword, you want the title of the article as the first slug because mm-hmm. the purpose, the, the user gets what they want as soon as they walk in the front door. So slash blogs, slash articles, slash title of the article. Got it. And eight and nine at the time had their WordPress site on blog.8and9.com. And so every time they would link back and forth to each other, I'd be like, Ray, this doesn't make any sense. Like if all of your content was on one domain, every time you would link back and forth to an article, that link juice would pass. And like you'd be doing much better. Like your site would be way more cohesive in, in the eyes of Google. But there's always this other side of my brain that thought to myself, why the hell would anybody do that when as soon as they publish content, they instantly rank number one for like shirt to match whatever sneaker they're doing. Mm-hmm. So it was a long-term play, knowing that it was the right thing to do. However, man, when we launched it, it was a real plummet. So three three major things happened. Let's say two, actually. Two major things happened all at once. One, we launched the website. And I totally screwed up. Well, I didn't screw it up. Like I executed it well. It was just too much of a change all at once, you know? And so it was... It was me not fully comprehending the potential consequences of such a big change like that. So the keyword rankings totally dropped for all those shirt to match keywords. But the second thing that happened is Kanye West, because all of a sudden, like graphic tees weren't that cool anymore. And all of a sudden, it was about like this fit. And it was about the silhouette of the clothing and all of a sudden skinny jeans were in and fucking Yeezys were in. Right. And so like the entire brand of the entire culture of streetwear, like instantly changed all because of Kanye West. And all of a sudden these, these shirt to match keywords, like weren't even getting that much search volume anymore. So it was huh. a double whammy of me totally, totally blowing up my friend's company. Um, I'm well, if I could be, yeah, I'll interject for one second. It's not like, it sounds like maybe there was one thing in there that you could blame on yourself, but Kanye West coming in and changing the whole game, <laughs> which by the way, I don't know much about streetwear or Kanye, but I've heard enough to know that like a lot of people in a lot of industries have had their shit blown up by Kanye. So <laughs> you're just like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure you can take that one as a, yeah. as a blame, but okay. So. Right out of the gate, the links drop off because of this change. The links drop off, yeah. But so here's the thing. And then Kanye comes in. Okay, so now I'm on SEMrush.com. There's been a little bit of a slowdown since June of 2021, if you can see the search rankings. But the reason is because the marketing for 8and9.com hasn't been as SEO focused, especially now that since this time, Ray has used 8 and 9 and expanded into other markets, which is really the point of all this and how much of a fucking badass Ray is. So I, I know from the search ranking standpoint, so this is when it happened, right? You see uh, it, you see it. And then all of a sudden, Google just says like, yes, all of the content is on one website. This is what we want. And then bam. So like what we hold did... On. Sorry, can I, I... I, as a non-SEO person, do not understand what I'm looking at here. So... For people listening, I'm looking at a, a line. It's like a trend line. It's going from zero to yep. like 35,000 or so. Yep. And, and that runs from like January 2013 all the way up to now. And back in 2013, you know, it was pretty close to zero. So th- it seems like things were just kind of getting started back then. And then it rise, rise, rise around 2017. You guys are around 9K. What is that? That's organic traffic per y- Yes. Month? Yes. But also remember that. I can't remember exactly when we launched the website. It was it was 2017. It was it was right about here. Okay. So this is only eight and nine dot com, right? Because all of the web traffic went to blog dot eight and nine dot com. And okay. so it was right around here when Google finally figured out that like all of the traffic is now on eight and nine dot com. It's all on this one domain as opposed okay. to blog dot eight and nine dot com. Okay. And, and for people listening, what we're seeing is like basically a hockey stick straight up when that happened. So, yeah. so that is what you're talking about when you say it was the right move. Yeah. 
Yes, that, or, that's exactly right. It was, it was okay. The right move. Where's the wrong move showed in this data? Like, is it that because I see a drop off maybe what six months later? It kind of no, drops back the, down. The, this that... drop off is, is pretty natural, honestly. The, the drop off that we're seeing, um, again, for people not looking at the video from June 2021, there's been a little bit of a drop off, but this is different. This is because Ray and eight and nine took their marketing dollars a little bit away from SEO mm -hmm. and invested it into something new, which is so freaking cool. And which is really where this, this story ends, you know? So from December of 2017 up until, I mean, really it was, it was like the beginning of 2021 when they made some of these changes, mm -hmm. this was a ton of success, you know, and this was finally the website getting traffic to itself. But what you don't see is like from here to here, if this was blog.89.com, if we were looking at the search traffic for blog.89.com, it would have been a huge drop off because oh, all of those okay. shirt to match keywords Got disappeared it. because Google so, was all of a sudden like, whoa, where, where'd all this stuff go? And they couldn't quite figure out that it was on the root domain instead of the subdomain. Okay. Let me, let me re-explain that for people who, again, are like me and don't, don't quite get the SEO thing. So this period of time that we're talking about back in 2017, for people listening to it, the traffic line is basically horizontal and yeah. it's not really moving. And then all of a sudden it shoots straight up. And in my mm -hmm. head, I'm thinking to myself, where's the problem here? It looks like you changed the website, took a little while, but all of a sudden Google figures it out. And now Tim's a hero. And what you're saying is during that time when yeah. Google was figuring it out, like literally all the rest of the traffic that you <laughs> yeah. coming in disappeared. Okay. Yep. So now I'm on board with you. All right. But it ended, then, eventually it started to work out. Yes, but then not to mention the whole game got Change. flipped upside down because they had to change the brand to be a little less like flashy graphic tees and more about silhouettes and, and like the fit and the skinny jeans. And so they really adapted, right? So this pair of jeans that they created, I mean, dude, like it looks cool. They're very cool. And they still, they've stayed true to their brand. Like Ray is so good at this. When you look at this and you compare it to 10 years ago, it's going to be much different, but it's still cohesive. You can tell. Like this is still the same company with the same vision. And so these jeans that they created, man, just bonkers in terms of sales. And now they've created them in like every single color that they possibly can <laughs> because Ray's smart and he knows like, let your winners ride. It looks cool. It looks like something that I would picture somebody wearing in like a new reboot of the Karate Kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> But that that's it's actually like, like really accurate. I love it. <laughs> they definitely look sweet. So you said though that they have reallocated some of their budget to like yes. a new form of marketing. Talk me yes, through that. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So like I said, Ray is kind of a silent assassin. And so these new companies don't even have websites. Here's what he did. And uh I'm gonna keep my screen shared. I'm gonna exit out of this, exit out of this. Here we go. When we saw that traffic dro traffic drop off from 2021. Like I told you, that wasn't necessarily because of something going wrong. It was just because they started allocating in, in different places. So Ray started two companies. One is called 28 to 3 Consulting. It's a homage to the Patriots in the Super Bowl when they were down 28 to 3. Ray is originally from Massachusetts. It's terrible, I know, but whatever. <laughs> and then he created another company called End to End. 28 to 3 Consulting is a consulting firm that Ray and his team made to work with high-profile artists who want to start their own merch line. So over the years, Ray has just gotten so involved with different manufacturers. He mm -hmm. just knows how to get the best shit, how to get it fast, and how to make it look really pro. So for instance, one of the badges of honor sort of speak in the clothing line is to make it so on the back of your shirt you don't have a tag you have like an actual screen print because the the tags i mean most people won't notice it but if you're trying to create a real line and if you see one of your competitors and they have like a, a paper ripoff tag in the back you would be like this brand is a knockoff like they're, they're not even they're not even trying to put sizes on their shirts you know they're not even trying to put a logo behind the neck they got a ripoff tag and so Ray knows all of these things. And he just hustled. He booked a deal with Marshmallow. He's like a pretty famous DJ. He sells out 
festivals all the time, plays in front of like, I don't even know, 50,000 people crowds at Coachella and, and all types of stuff. Booked to do a marshmallow, booked to do with a couple other hip hop artists and created a turnkey manufacturing line that just takes people's brands and creates a high level merch company for them. You know, so Marshmallow comes to them. So it's like, hey, I want to start a clothing line. I want a merch line. And they do the designs, they do the manufacturing, they do the printing, they do the shipping, they polybag the whole thing, and bam, it's like a turnkey merch line. It's freaking dope. Yeah. Can I just comment on that for a second? I think that's such a good idea. Sure. Uh, especially as we move deeper into what people are calling the creator economy. Uh, one of my coworkers wrote a whole report on this, uh, how, you know, more and more influencers are basically going to start monetize. Right now, the big thing is that influencers basically monetize through partnerships, ad deals, but you know, you're selling somebody else's stuff. And at a certain point, more and more people are going to catch on to the fact that you make a lot more money if you own the brand. And so this whole idea of building basically shops or turnkey solutions to help influencers in different industries crank out their own products uh, is pretty cool. I think fashion is a huge one. I think like makeup would be another huge one just sure. based on some of the what like influencers that are 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 working in that space right now. There's yep. a few, but this is really cool. So that was um, the consulting company. We're looking right now, though, at something called Rolling Loud. What is that? Yeah. Well, perfect transition. The consulting company isn't quite as hands-on as his second company, which is called End-to-End. So the consulting company is, is exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's more consulting. It's more design. It's like helping somebody create a brand for themselves. But end-to-end, he bought a warehouse in Miami and quite literally built entire merch lines end-to-end. That's why he calls it end-to-end for huge organizations. I believe... I don't, if I say this on air and it's not true, I apologize, right? I'm not trying to say anything that's not true. I believe he booked some huge church in Atlanta. I don't know if you've ever driven through Atlanta and you've seen these like soccer stadium churches. It's, it's pretty freaky. Nonetheless, huge budgets with those organizations. So he, he, he booked a deal with them and then he booked a deal with Rolling Loud, which is just a really, really big hip hop and music festival. And he, he he built the entire merch line for Rolling Loud, Rolling Loud, end to end across the whole world. So now I'm going to be on his Instagram. Check this shit out, bro. Look at this. Holy shit! I know. So this we, is him. I'm so proud we're of. We're looking him. at like, a packed stadium. Packed. How many people is that? Uh, I'd say Rolling Loud has got a. I mean, there's got to I mean, be. It's got to be twenty thousand people, people. I mean, sure. It's 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 hard to tell exactly how many, but. I mean, what, Ohio State football stadium is 80,000, right? Wembley is 80,000. I mean, that looks like a soccer stadium full of people. Yeah, it's a lot of people. So he did the merch for this entire event. For the entire event. And so this is end-to-end. So he... Okay. Oh, sorry. Go on. I was, let, me, let me just unpack this for a second. Okay, so he's got a streetwear brand, yep. and it's successful. So yep. he knows the space. And exactly. what you're basically seeing him do is go... This would be vertical, right? Yeah, he's going vertical. So he's getting up and down the supply chain rather than just cranking out the clothes. Now he owns means of production and I'm, I'm sure like means of distribution. He's expanding into those areas. That's rad. I don't think we see a lot of case studies of people doing that with like smaller brands that you haven't heard of. Obviously you think of like big commercial brands like Walmart or something. They have huge incentives to verticalize. But it's cool to see that a streetwear company thought to do that. Do you have any sense for which is like driving more revenue at this point? I'm, no. I would bet that this company would probably be bigger. Uh, yes. Over well, time. All right. Let me take a step back a second because there's, there's definitely a lot to unpack. And even like explaining the evolution of this company is, is kind of difficult because you got to bounce around from a few things. Can I, can I ask one more question that yeah. might work into what you're about to say? Do you know if he uses the infrastructure from end to end to produce, oh, what is it called? Six and nine clothes? His company, eight and nine? Sorry, eight and nine. Yep. Does uh, he use well, the infrastructure from yeah. his other business to do that now? 
Exactly it, man. Exactly mm-hmm. it. So when yeah. you say he went vertical, he didn't just go vertical. He went vertical and then like deep into a pond, you know? So every single thing that he does, <laughs> it's like the deepest pond you've ever seen. We're going <laughs> to, I think we should trademark that as like, that's yeah. going to be the new. <laughs> he yeah. went deep into a pond. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll be the new case study format that like HBR works off of. Is it, you know, let's just be five deep pond dives from <laughs> yeah okay so you vertical all the way up and then down into and then he went the down, yeah okay. so what's so cool is that eight and nine is a fashion brand but it's really a media brand like really he took his his showroom they call it in miami and he turned it into a podcast studio so one of the things that you did there's a really big hip-hop podcast called drink champs I mean, it's huge. It's, it's, it's a really big deal. Like Noriega, Noriega, excuse me, is one of the hosts, another one of the hosts. I forget his name. If you've seen a picture of him, you definitely recognize him. He's, he's big in the hip hop space. I think he's a producer. And so then overnight, you know, like some of the world's most famous rappers were just coming into his showroom and doing a podcast. And then of course, in the background, it's all the eight and nine shit, you know? So I got to meet, uh, Jada Kiss through there. I got to meet. Well, I got to meet the whole, all three of them from, from Locks, LOX, and, uh, everybody, like, you know, Nipsey Hustle would come through and, and 50 Cent would come through and Puff Daddy would come through. I don't care that he wants to be called P. Diddy. His name's Puff Daddy. <laughs> and, and it was great. So the show Drink Champs turned into like a media company that promoted his brand. So he's got the leverage of tech and media that we talk about, right? But underneath the leverage, he's got the infrastructure. So with 28.3 Consulting, it wasn't end-to-end as much as we think of it. It was more so like, hey, you're a DJ. You want to start your own fashion line. I'll help you do it. And so he took that next step, right? He took his expertise and productized it. And then after doing it for so long, he's like, you know what? I can just build a damn warehouse. I can just literally be people's entire infrastructure. And so the leverage that he has is... It's huge because once he gets like built in to these companies, the, the whole entire thing depends on him, you know? And so now he went from a tiny little fashion brand in Miami to controlling the whole infrastructure of, you know, one of the world's rolling loud is probably top 20 biggest festivals. I don't know, maybe top 30. I don't, I don't know for sure, but it's huge and it's, That's it's a big wild. deal and I'm so proud of him. I well okay. There's a couple things I love about this. One thing I want to try and bring this home for people who are listening to it and thinking about like, well, how does this apply to what I'm working on right now? And there, there's a lot of ways. One of the ones that occurs to me as you're unpacking this is the thinking behind client acquisition for end to end. So it sounds like, well, let's just talk about the brilliance of like taking your storefront and turning that into. A hub for content creation. So cool, right? Something that, yeah, I don't think a, a lot of people are really thinking about. And he would about like right invite now. vloggers in and he would just be like, yeah, come on in, bring your camera, do a show here. You want to sit down and do an interview? And like he really decorated the whole thing. It was so cool. That is so cool. And think about mm-hmm. all the different ways you could do that. So if you're, I mean, like in the restaurant business, right? Or something like that, just having the facility for, for content creators to come and like have a professional setup. And, and do their thing at your location yeah. would stand out. I mean, you and I know this. It's funny that you mentioned this now. I'm in a hotel doing what I call the Sampar special, which <laughs> if he hears this, he hates that term. And people throw it around for like a lot of different reasons, but I'm going to use it today. My laptop is is balanced on an upside down ottoman, balanced yes. on a hotel coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like people love doing this content stuff. It's not always easy to find a good place to do it. And if you have a facility and you can like tap into the content creator dynamic inside your industry, I think what he's doing in terms of just drawing people in is totally doable for a lot of people who have some kind of space already. So I love that side of this. Uh, And then just, you know, like we talked about a little bit earlier, thinking about what's next after you have a successful product line, which aspects of the rest of the vertical chain that you can integrate or expand control over. Do you have any idea what the deal looks like between him and the podcast that you mentioned is hosted in his space? Like, did he get equity in that or did he just no. say, Hey, come on in and use it for free, but just bring cool people in 
Mm -hmm. and not like, okay, cool. So that's how he's probably getting clients for end to end is that like all the coolest rap stars are just dropping by his place. This is so neat. Didn't the hundreds do something like this too? I know their, their office is supposed to be real cool. It's like skate ramps and stuff in it and they have like an incubator there. Mm -hmm. So is this just like a streetwear thing or? Are those just two, they, like I said, a coincidence that two companies in the same space happen to have done no, something similar? I don't think it's a coincidence because we talked about the hundreds before and how they were like one of the first fashion brands that used high level content. And Ray definitely pulled a page from there. But what he did is he just got even smaller because the hundreds is definitely streetwear but they're just so big that their their audience is kind of vague you know like i could wear a hundred shirt and i could be walking down the street and like somebody that it's just it's just streetwear it really is like the definition of a wide-ranging thing of streetwear but eight and nine totally totally got very very small to these sneaker heads and that's how it blew up you know they they found this lane they found this tight little angle that nobody else had, had an understanding of and they just wrote all of this content and timed it perfectly so that like as the sneakers would be releases, all of a sudden it was bam. He was like five articles about different outfits and t-shirts and jeans and pants and jewelry you can put together with these sneakers. Oh, and by the way, here's the shirt to match. And it really worked. But then, you know, they had to transition because the streetwear game really changed. It was drastic. It happened very, very fast where it just like wasn't cool anymore. And so that's when he got just more media based and more photography based because like you had to. And, you know, Instagram, luckily they, they rode that wave and they got a huge Instagram following, which started generating more of their sales. But Ray is smart. So, you know, there's a little bit behind the scenes. He learned some hard lessons. He had a lot of employees, you know, he had a whole lot of friends that kind of coming in and it was, he, he, he had to get small and get lean. And when he did that, he was like, okay. I'm systematizing this whole shit. And he systematized eight and nine as well as he could so that the sales would come in, the product would get shipped, the customer service would be handled, everything was bam, bam, bam. And now Ray, the expert, is free. He's free from the system. He's free to do what he wants. And now all of a sudden, all of this attention over the years, you know, the logo of eight and nine in the back of the Drink Champs podcast, all the pictures with 50 Cent and and Puff Daddy and, and, you know, like eight and nine life, the hashtag starting to go viral. And now all of a sudden it's like, damn, I got a consulting company. So he takes his reputation, he takes his knowledge and he, he productizes that. And then all of a sudden it's like, damn, I got the whole entire thing front to back. Let me buy a warehouse and literally build multi-million dollar brands for huge organizations. And that's what he did. Like, I'm just so proud of him, man. I know the journey he's been on it. Like, we can sit on a podcast and talk about how easy it is and how much success has been. It, it hasn't been like that. There's been some real ups and downs for him, but he just, he got through it and he's doing so good. And I love it. That's awesome. I'm also really glad that you mentioned 50 Cent and Puff Daddy because I recognize those names. <laughs> and you had mentioned some others. And I'm like, I'm sitting here going, oh man, someone's going to be watching the video and they're going to totally see in my eyes that I have no idea what Tim is talking about. Like, Marshmallow, <laughs> is that a thing? Is that the person? That's an artist? Yeah, Jadakiss, uh, man. I, I, he was, I'm not, he's one of the best rappers ever. I got, um, I hung it up in my office somewhere. No, I got a, a picture of, of Jadakiss and Styles P. Um, and I got their autograph. So yeah, give I got me to a, meet those give guys me a, too. Give me a song. What should I check out? I'm going to, I'm going to check them out. Oh, uh, well. LOX isn't quite as popular, but but Jadakiss in particular. I mean, if you just Google Jadakiss, you, you you've heard him. Trust me, you've heard him. He's got a very 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 particular like raspy voice that is, What's is the super song? recognizable. What's like the one I got to add to my workout track? Um, I can send you some. It's so funny in this like Spotify world. I hardly even know the names of songs anymore. You just find <laughs> them and you put them on playlists. What a crazy life. Yeah, yeah. Send me some, man. I'm gonna check them out. Um, this was cool. This was really cool, dude. There's one thing, one other thing that you're reminding me of as we sort of come to the close of this. Uh, you mentioned this pivot uh, in yeah. marketing. And it ties in with something that uh, Sam was actually talking about earlier today. I mean, I mentioned, Sam, we were, we're all at this big HubSpot event. So we're all yeah, kind of yeah. like hanging out, going to each other's talks. And he had said something that I thought was kind of, or he had done something that I posted about on Twitter. And I wanted to talk about here because I thought it was really interesting. 
He was up on stage doing a Q&A. And he just mentioned offhand, he goes like, uh, who here is spending a lot of money on Facebook right now? There's probably two or 300 people in the audience. And I saw two, maybe three hands go up. Wow. And yeah. And the reason, I mean, marketers will know why that's weird. Most other people probably wouldn't. But like, there was a time not that long ago, probably what, a year and a half ago, two years ago, where like literally every hand in that audience would have gone up in terms of where they were allocating most of their ad budget. Now, not so much. And so I just wanted to call that out because I thought that was a really interesting, you know, it was just a, a, it was a quick second. It didn't really take much time. I don't think much people paid attention to it, but you talk about shifts and pivots. And I think there's something big coming, man, where that many marketers can be sitting in a room and that few of them even bother to call out that they're on Facebook. Yeah. What do you think that is? Well, what do you think is the change? I think, well, we've seen Facebook prices go up a lot. It's way more expensive to to acquire users there these days. That's true. But I wonder about that because it's still very cheap in comparison to the rest of history. Like Facebook is still a freaking deal, you know? That's, yeah, that's true. I, I think there's a part of it too. I mean, you and I have talked about different stats related to this. And I think part of it uh, comes down to what type of acquisition you're looking for, right? Yeah, like, is it sure. is it a free email sign up or... Yep. Is it a paid customer? Because I think maybe it's harder to get paid customers by those channels these days. Yeah. But for media and stuff, there's still opportunity there. Maybe there is for e-com too. I don't know. But the other thing, the, the bigger thing, I think, is that there's these other platforms that are just, they're trying to eat Facebook's lunch, right? So TikTok is specifically going after Facebook and they're trying to make it way more attractive to advertise on TikTok. LinkedIn, dude. LinkedIn just sucks. Their content game on LinkedIn sucks. And so there's all these people who are just professional attention getters now, and they've mostly avoided LinkedIn. And I think there's, you're going to see a huge tidal wave of people going to LinkedIn for content because they're just so hungry for good storytelling over there. And then direct mail. I mean, this is something another colleague of mine was talking about at the conference. There's like, uh, I'm going to forget all the statistics. So I don't even want to try and quote them. <laughs> But direct mail is performing really well right now because it's been like there's new technology that ties it to online campaigns much more quickly than it used to be able to be uh, than it used to be possible. So attributions much more accurate, deliveries quicker. Uh, if there's a lot less friction involved in buying, so direct mail is going to be huge right now too. And I think all those trends will continue to play out over the course of the next like one to two years. Those are my thoughts. What do you think? I mean, are are you seeing the same thing in terms of Facebook spend? And what do you think about it? I have two thoughts on this. One, I think Mark Zuckerberg is probably the most competent CEO in the last hundred years. And I am very apprehensive to bet against him. Seriously. Mm. Like, look at their stock, look at their revenues. They're still just a cash cow money flowing machine. Um, I do think that the iOS stuff does have a, a significant effect on them because they lose so much of the targeting. And like that does hurt. You know, I, I can think of specifically one real high level e-commerce brand that just lost all of their targeting and it, it really, really hurt them. Um, so that sucks. I don't think TikTok is going to build the ecosystem for good advertising because the whole entire structure of TikTok is designed around what's next, what's next, what's next, right? Like I bet the time spent on each video, the average time spent is probably like three or four seconds. And they don't have a mechanism that creates pattern interrupt that makes people stop long enough. Like you, you would do that on Facebook, especially on desktop. Because all the real estate for the Facebook ads is really important on desktop. And you, you could be scrolling and then like you would see something. You'd be like, oh, that's interesting. But on TikTok, like everything is interesting. Like everything is a, is a dopamine hit. And mm. there's nothing that actually takes you back to be like, huh, what's this? You know? So we'll see how that plays out. Like I don't have any skin in the game on that. I don't, I don't really care either way. It's just my personal, my personal viewpoint on the, personalities of the platforms, let's call it. So, but here's the question. Where's it going to go? Right? Where's all that money going to go? I think that it's hard to quantify specifically because it's a little bit of a shift in thinking. But 
I think it's going to the long tail. You know, I, I think that everybody has their own podcast and everybody has their own email list. And the same messages that we've talked about over and over and over again, like before you could dump a hundred grand a month into Facebook and talk to everybody and it would work. And I just think that it's working less and less now. And you have to have a hundred grand a month and put it into, you know, 50 newsletters and 50 podcasts and find your actual audience because, because the, the money is very, very long tail now mm-hmm. because people are like, people aren't as emotionally invested in a Facebook page as they are in like their favorite person's podcast. You know what I mean? And so I think the money isn't, it's, it's difficult to really measure because you can't say like, Oh, I went from Facebook to TikTok, right? I mm-hmm. think it's going from Facebook and I think it's going everywhere, just Ooh, spread out on the long tail. And I don't know how you would ever measure that. That's super interesting. Yeah. I feel like we'll have to have a longer conversation about this, but there, there, uh, yeah, there definitely seems to be quite a flight from Facebook. So I think you're right. Yeah. And I don't know how you would track it, but that's going to be very interesting for the next couple of years as marketers figure that out. I also think there's something generational about it too. Like, there's a whole new generation of buyers coming online. And my suspicion is like, you know, in general, in nature, I think systems seem to sort of follow the same patterns where there's like an aggregation and then this dispersal and aggregate. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, waves in the ocean. And, you know, Google ads were one of the aggregators. Facebook was one of the aggregators. And then maybe we are just in a cycle where all the money runs out until you find something new that really, really works. Yeah. Right? Until it goes somewhere. Right. Yeah. And then somebody's going to do that really well. Yeah. And it's always the one that you don't expect. Right. Cause that's, I mean, that's kind of the law of marketing. It's, it's totally. the one that nobody's talking about right now. So. That's what's going to start delivering. I'm calling it USPS. U.S. Postal Service is going to be the biggest startup of the nope. next 10 years. I'm telling nope. you, man. I'm calling <laughs> Amazon Ad Network. You think so? For sure. What about Apple? For Apple's? sure. Apple just announced one. Well, and that's cool because I guess Apple could run ads on like the App Store. Like that's yep. that's basically their social media platform, right? Is the App Store. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that, that would, I mean, that would definitely make money. No question. Like Apple executes really well, but, uh, I think that it'll be even just more long tail. Like I'm surprised Shopify hasn't created their own ad network yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, we joke about it a kit. lot here. What was that? I was just going to say, we joke a lot here about how all businesses eventually become ad networks. So it'll be like, right. You know, it'll be, uh, the Uber ad network or like... Exactly. Yeah, that's going to be the yeah. next one. Like why wouldn't Uber Eats have an ad network where like local restaurants or Airbnb? So perfect example, when I was on my honeymoon in Norway, <laughs> really funny, my wife and I just have an inside joke about alpacas. I don't know if you ever found one or seen one. They're hysterical. <laughs> I've never but, found an alpaca. <laughs> no. uh, well, we did and really wild. Yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> and so we're in Norway and we're on Airbnb and an alpaca farm comes up on Airbnb. It's like a local business. It's just like, Hey, looking for something to do in Norway, come to our alpaca farm. And so I, yeah, like that's, that's the call, right? Every distribution channel becomes its own ad network, but it becomes an ad network for people very specific, right? Because Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, when I'm in Norway and Airbnb serves me an ad, I don't give a shit about a clothing company in Australia. You know what I mean? Like, I want to go to this alpaca farm. And so I, mm. I think it just gets very, very, very long tail where all the ads are going to be served to all the people that are like really, really into whatever it is that platform is doing. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I think there's also a black swan element to it too. Like I, yeah. I, I, I don't know what it's going to be. That's kind of the purpose of a black swan. But, you know, I've lived through enough cycles now to come to expect that whatever the next big thing is, I don't actually think anybody's equipped to predict it because I think there's there's almost always some element that's completely unseen, unforeseen, right? So some new technology comes into play or something like the pandemic. I mean, nobody would have been predicting that newsletters would have been a huge advertising, you know, vehicle three years ago. Just wasn't yeah. going to happen, right? The, the whole story three years ago is nobody pays for content. Yeah. And now 
like New York Times has proved that wrong. So yeah. there's always some black swan element. And I guess we're just waiting for that shoe to drop and see what it ends up being. But I, I agree with you. There's definitely change in the air. So this was really interesting, man. Is there anything else that you wanted to call out for people? They were kind of listening to the close of this episode. No, man, this was a fun episode. I I know that it was a little bit back and forth. I'm a little bit sleep deprived, um, <laughs> so it's been a wild week for me. Um, check out Eight and Nine. They're my favorite clothing company ever. And Ray is just he's he's someone that really inspires me. And so if you follow him on Instagram and like check him out, I'm sure he'll inspire you as well. But I think one thing that we should think about for next week. Maybe, maybe we should do a little bit of research on what the last ten years has been like for like the average spend on all of these platforms. And let's let's see if we can figure out where it's going. You know, if we take like twenty of them and we just split them, like is Airbnb an actual ad network now? Right? Is Uber an actual ad network now? I don't know. That could be really cool interesting. To figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, it could be really interesting. And like, what are the unexpected ones? You know, like, like, like you right. said with Airbnb and Uber, because I think, uh, you know, everybody knows about Facebook and Google. It would be really interesting to see what the overall spend is there. Cause you know, the other thing is like, you hear all these doomsday things about how people are like, yo, we're going into a recession potentially, or, you know, that annoys this me. type of ad is dying. That type. Well, yeah, <laughs> hopefully it doesn't annoy you too much because we did a whole episode on it, but. <laughs> The the fact remains, like nobody knows if if we're actually no, that's not what I was going to say. The fact remains, sometimes even though public sentiment is one way, like yeah. hey, we're going for a recession, or this type of advertising is dead, or whatever, the data doesn't back it up, right? And we saw this pretty yeah. much right after we recorded that session about you know looming recession, and then there's all this data that came out that said. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about a recession, but like if you look at the data, the economy is still doing great. So yeah. I don't know. It would be really interesting to pull data on some of these different ad networks and see like what is actually going up, what's going down. Let's yeah. do that. Let's do it. All right, brother. Well, congratulations again Thank to you, you so and much. the family. Yeah, I'm gonna um, go chill with my pop, and it's just I can't believe I have two kids. Like I really can't. <laughs> I have a daughter too, which is fucking a trip. Yeah. Um, yeah, life is good, man. Thank you so much for the kind words. Really appreciate it. Thank you for jumping on. I'm glad that your conference was good. You uh, you made it happen. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>